This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Here we are back again. Episode 161 is on. Clay Young here with you. Excited about the discussion today. It is about something that I think is an under-discussed topic in society and that is mental health, but not just mental health, but mental health as it relates to men and women in law enforcement, right? So much is going on across the country, and there is so much intensity between law enforcement and many of the communities that they serve. And I don't think we often take a step back and take into account what goes on both in those communities from a stress standpoint and also what goes on with these men and women in uniform in addition to what they take home with them to their families and the whole dynamic of divisions that are created by some to keep the two sides apart and that impact on mental health. And so today we're going to talk about that with... Kelly Lowe, who is in St. Louis, and she'll be calling in to the interview. Here in studio with me will be newly minted Sergeant Rendy Richard and Katie Fetzer, whom you all know as the co-host of the Waiting Room podcast, but also the co-owner of the Wellness Studio. Katie is a mental health professional and is soon to be Dr. Katie Fetzer. And so we're going to dive Headlong and deep into that discussion, and I'm looking forward to it in just a moment. But first, man, we are so close to this big major event that we do every year. It is called Smoke 'em If You Got 'em. It is our military fundraiser taking place on Sunday, May 20th at Ben 77 Bistro in Perkins Row. Now, check this out this is the fifth year we've done it. We always give the money away to an organization that serves military veterans and first responders. I'm hooked into a lot of charities. A lot of organizations get money and time and ideas from me because I care about giving back. It's very important. But this one is not only about giving back. It's also about having a hell of a good time. And it's going to take place at Ben 77 in Perkins Row in Baton Rouge. Wherever you're listening, you got to make it to this event. Now... The Chris Kyle Frog Foundation is the beneficiary of this year's fundraiser. The Chris Kyle Frog Foundation is named in honor of Navy SEAL and sniper Chris Kyle. His widow, Taya Kyle, has been carrying on his vision and his mission to help uh, military veterans, first responders, their families. And she's going to be here. Taya will be in Baton Rouge for the event And she was here last year. She had a great time. We talked about that. She loved being in Baton Rouge again. It was not her first trip there. She's coming back this year to meet you at the event. Now, if you want to get there and you're wondering, okay, Clay, how can I get into this event? First, let me tell you what it costs. It's going to cost you $100. But in just a minute, you're going to see why this event is a steal at $100. First, The $100 is basically a donation to the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation because of the list of sponsors who help me put this event on, starting with our title sponsor, Mockler Beverage. 
Mockler Beverage. The Mockler family has been so involved in giving back to our community and helping people across Louisiana, and they are the presenting sponsor of this year's event. And I look forward to seeing all of them there and you as well. You can log on to the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation's website, chriskylefrogfoundation.org, to get your tickets. It's under the events tab, okay? So click under events. You'll see smoke them. If you got them, you can go right there and buy your ticket. You can also get your ticket at the door. Once you get into the door, you will be offered a complimentary cigar. That's right. Given to you by Christian Iroa, who provides our cigars this year with a custom smoke them band on the cigar. Don Juan Cigar Company made sure to make that happen. They are one of our sponsors. Once you walk in, there is, of course, all of the ambiance of the courtyard at Ben 77. You'll get a chance to take place or take part rather in our whiskey tasting. That's going to go on the entire night. There's also a dessert station. That's right, a dessert station presented by Geico Insurance. They're going to be there with all kinds of treats for you to enjoy. And if you want to say, well, let me wait on the dessert. Let me jump to something else before then. Got you covered. Brian Bennett and the folks at Insurance Procurement Services have a grill station. A grill station. Think about that. Burgers, dogs, chicken, black beans, I mean, or black beans, <laughs> baked beans, all of that there for you at the grill station. The food last year was amazing. It was a hit. Everybody loved it. Brian's going to do a great job again this year. Now, what do you wash all that stuff down with? There's a beer station, Mockler Beverage. Come on. We've got a host of their beer products there for you. Now, you're going to buy your beer, okay? But you're going to enjoy it because, hey, you're going to have to wash all that stuff down with something. The bar is open for you as well. As we go into the program, there is a live and silent auction. Now, check this out. Some of the auction items include replicas of the Saints Super Bowl ring. The LSU, the last football championship ring, that's going to be there. If you're a fan of the Tigers or the Saints or sports in general, there will be a number of autographed items there for you. You don't want to give too much away. We're also going to have this year a condo. Max Himmel has been so generous. We're going to have a condo stay for you to win in the live auction. You're going to have to see that list. I don't want to go into everything in the list. It's going to be hot. You want to be there for it. It's going to be one of those nights you don't want to miss. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. I got more details about this next week, but it is here now. We are less than two weeks away from the 5th Annual Smoke em If You Got em fundraiser taking place at Ben 77 Bistro in Perkins Row, presented by Mockler Beverage in association with Guarantee Media, Pest Stop, your do-it-yourself pest control solution, Open Eye Safety Training, Jeff and Kelly LaDuff, they were there last year. They're going to be there with us again this year. Guarantee Media, Don Juan Cigar Company, Geico Insurance, of course I mentioned the both of them. Glad to have them aboard on this thing. Perkins Row, Ben 77 Bistro, Brian Dykes and his amazing staff there. Of course, Clay Young Enterprises. And we're looking forward to seeing you at the fifth annual Smoke 'em If You Got 'em. Yep, it's here now. Back to talk about this amazing subject with three fantastic ladies in just a moment. 
promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. You know, this time of year, most people enjoy South Louisiana weather in the evenings, being outside. And one of the only things that could ruin that is a mosquito bite. They're painful and they're not so great for your kids. John Conroy, the founder and owner of PestOp, your do-it-yourself pest control solution, can help you eliminate the problem, correct? We really can. We have a couple of products. We have these handheld foggers Mm -hmm. uh, that you can... Love those things. Oh, yeah, they're cool. You can put them on the patio and just hit this little remote button and it goes off for a few seconds Mm -hmm. and the wind kind of pushes it around. Yep. We also have a liquid that is a synthetic pyrethroid that you apply on the lawn, and most important application is going to be the underside of the leaves of your shrubbery. Okay, okay. And it can last up to three months between applications. Okay, so in the Baton Rouge area, we're outside a lot. How can I buy this? Well, combined, see us. Our store is located at 806 O'Neill Lane. That's about a block south of Old Hammond Highway. Or give us a call with questions at 273-4788. Visit the showroom, get the information at Pest Stop. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. All right, back with uh, newly minted Sergeant Rendy Richard with the Baton Rouge Police Department and Katie Fetzer, one of the owners of the wellness, you know, it's so funny, wellness studio and the co-host of the Waiting Room podcast. And I haven't seen her in three or four years now. It's been no. No. <laughs> only uh, a few months. It's It's been a while. How are you, ladies? We're good. Great. So today... We're going to be talking about mental health, and it is a very multi-layered, mm-hmm. complicated discussion that I think is not had enough in society because mm-hmm. of all of the, the stigmas that go along with it and some of the, the old thoughts about it, mm-hmm. but specifically as it relates to law enforcement and what goes on on a regular basis. So uh, I'd like to begin at, at, at a very, uh, you know, Simple point about this to launch from, if you had to grade the status of mental health and law enforcement right now, Randy, based upon what you've seen, the experiences and what you were, you were doing, what grade would you give it? That's a great question. Very good question. I don't know if I'd give it so much a grade. We're hurting. Yeah. We're hurting. Okay. Um, we're seeing so much from outside, inside, um, family life, I think the dynamics for any first responder are so complicated mm-hmm. that it just comes from everywhere. Yeah. And with everything from 2016, we just have not really started the healing process. Yeah. When, when you say hurting, define what that looks like when an unhealthy mental health atmosphere exists. I think definitely start with 16. Mm -hmm. Um, going through all the uh, civil unrest Mm -hmm. with the shootings. And then when our officers were shot, Mm -hmm. that took its toll. And that took a toll on the family dynamic as well because, you know, we weren't used to being out 12-hour days for 20-something days. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, you have this major national event. Mm -hmm. And that affected the family life as well. 
And then you add the flood and you have these officers that are losing their homes, but they're reporting to work yeah. and they're leaving their families again. Yeah. And then you, you know, you go into new administration, you go yeah. into the, all the DOJ verdicts and, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And it just takes a toll on the officer and yeah. they, you know, they're tired, they're hurt. And we don't really have time to grieve mm-hmm. um, for the fact that when we bury one of our own, we have to report to work. We yeah. have to we have to get back in the game, and then you're not even including mm-hmm. the stuff that they see on a daily basis. Yeah, you yeah. know all the homicides. Sure, and we have officers that respond to that. So that is, you know, robotic. Gr- robotic, and the great thing, a great explanation is it's, it goes all into this trash can. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you pile all these things up, and when you talk about officers with three years that's gone through major events, mm-hmm. and you're just piling it in. Yeah. And eventually it doesn't have anywhere to go. And, you know, we, we, we recently lost one of our officers, you know, to suicide. And, yeah. and, and the suicide rate in law enforcement right now is almost the same mm-hmm. as officers who die in the line of duty. And that's, yeah. that's where we have to get better. Yeah. So Katie Fetzer is a mental health professional, soon to be Dr. Mm-hmm. Katie Fetzer. <laughs> and we've had a number of conversations about this. And when most people hear about mental health, mm-hmm. I mean, they approach it from a very outside in view Mm -hmm. of it so when you are defining dysfunctional Mm -hmm. mental health how would you define that to someone who wants to understand what it looks like yeah that's a great question and I think anytime I start with this conversation and talking about mental health I like to zoom out a little bit Mm -hmm. and be able to kind of just break some things down Um, so mental health when you're talking about just the field of psychology which is where a lot of mental health professionals are Um, emerging from psychology in and of itself is not considered a hard science, but it's a social or developmental science. And it's one of the newest of sciences. And so as a field, if you look at just the history of where we're coming from, we're still coming up from under a rock and the terms mental health, mental illness, you'll hear those terms used a lot of times interchangeably. Um, and what's happening is that there's more of a just misconception and a really broad misconception and stigma that is research has shown still affects every continent across the globe, Mm -hmm. every culture, every race, every SES. Mm -hmm. So our understandings of mental health are just very superficial. Um, but when we break that down, we're talking about mental health, we're really just talking about our brain health. And so our mental health is just our state of well-being, our, um, how we're able to kind of cope with emotions throughout our day to day. So we all should be taking care of our brain health, just as we do our cardiovascular health or our, um, nutritional health and things like that. So it's no different than our health. And I think it's really important first to remember that when you're defining and understanding mental health is that it is basically your health. It's a piece of your health and mental illness is, um, a term that, we use to describe when one is has some criteria to show that they have some form of an illness with when it comes to their mental health. So okay. an example might be an anxiety disorder or PTSD that's caused from something traumatic that happens, which none of us are immune to. Right. So any human on the planet, doesn't matter who you are, we all have brains, yeah. um, which means we all have to take care of our brains. And if we don't, um, certain things can kind of happen. So I think it's important to kind of map out that for people to kind of really understand the differences and know that it's really just simply our brain health and taking care of ourselves. And and I want to go back to something and answer uh, and ask another question to both of you from different Mm -hmm. perspectives. But yeah, Rendy is here uh, on behalf of behind the line. And 
and that is something we're going to talk about. She's not here representing the Baton Rouge Police Department. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that earlier, yeah. but I just wanted to make that clarification. Sure. So we talked about 2016, but I'd like to go back a mm-hmm. bit further. For people who become police officers, what kind of training do you go through in terms of stress and dealing with these kind of snap high intensity situations that contribute toward some level of normalcy as it relates to your your mind and the way your your head functions well we do i mean i've been teaching um in the academy for right at 13 13 years and what i've taught is the stress of the job of how to separate um, law enforcement, taking mm-hmm. taking that Superman yeah. um, mentality off yeah. when you walk to the door and yeah. being a father. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of changes that people don't understand that happen with law enforcement. That's that they are human, but they're right. also conditioned to do their job. Sure. Yeah. And, that, and it's always been said, your emotions, you got to put them, you put them away. And that's yeah. been the culture. But we in the academy teach them that mm-hmm. the stress we talk about police suicide the problem is we don't teach the families and the spouses mm-hmm. how to transition into this lifestyle okay. yeah. and that's where i think we have mm-hmm. to bridge that gap yeah so going back to 2016 mm-hmm. from the incident with Alton sterling which was on july 5th really mm-hmm. 12 days later the shooting of the of the well three officers were killed and other officers were shot as well and not even a month later barely a month later we have the flood this may sound like a really silly question but what's the potential of ptsd for the community in the aftermath of something like that people having all of these things going on Mm -hmm. near riots Mm -hmm. and there were no riots but near riots and the intensity and the protest and Mm -hmm. the the racial socioeconomic stuff that's going Mm -hmm. on law enforcement the inner city then the flood sure and then we we roll right out of that into the holiday season so is, is, is that a silly thing to think that there not could have been all. the potential of PTSD for some people? No, not at all. Um, you bring up a really good point because it's actually, it, we could even break that down even further because a lot of people don't realize that there's something called vicarious traumatization that you can experience just by watching the news too much. With okay. it, it's So everybody's going to have individually... Um, different risk levels of risk based on their individual experiences Mm -hmm. and predispositions and all of that. However, you can be, you can experience something traumatic just by watching or exposing yourself to a lot of news coverage that's, you know, constantly very just challenging to watch, especially if it's a child or an adolescent that doesn't really fully understand. Um, So that's a high risk thing. Um, But whenever something like this happens to a community, the ripple effect that happens and how it kind of, shapes and affects all of us as a community is in your our risks of experiencing PTSD or yeah. what we call acute stress disorder is yeah. very high because it's a traumatic event that is happening not just to one person in their home but a community as a whole um so it's not silly at all to think that it can't be healthy to have the continual energy just you know recreated on social media, Mm -hmm. which I'm starting to believe that social media is contributing 
to more harm than good in so many ways in society. I remember there's an episode of The Waiting Room where you mm-hmm. guys talked about social media. You can find it in the archives at podcast225.com. <laughs> but you talked about that, and then you see the sniping back and forth, and you're thinking, man, yeah. people are really angry. Where does that come from? Well, I can tell you from where sure. um, my family's um, side, I mean, for me and my husband both being in law enforcement, mm-hmm. you know, and, and during these protests and everything, and we went, you know, after Dallas and sure. Ferguson and having to, you know, actually have a conversation with a 21-year-old and a 16-year-old yeah. that, look, this is, and you're seeing both of your parents walking out, you're seeing the news, you're seeing what's going on. And you're having to have real discussions about where life insurance policies are. Yeah. Where are these things? And that affects our kids. And people don't even realize that, you know, mm-hmm. when we when we take an oath to protect the community, um, it's it's all of us. It's our mm-hmm. whole families that mm-hmm. are, that get into this. And now we're seeing where our children sure. mm-hmm. are being bullied at school because of our profession. And we had to change that, but I mean, it's got to be both ways. I think the community and law enforcement have to start healing together. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And understanding that everybody that comes to the table are humans. Mm-hmm. We all have emotions. We all make mistakes. We mm-hmm. all make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we're human, yeah. and our our human nature should be to take care of people. Yeah. And that's what we have to do. And that's that's what behind the line did. We grabbed the reins for the family side of it, and um, you know. And Kelly will certainly speak yeah, about this. Yeah. And, um, our story is pretty incredible. And I don't, you know, I think that's helped us yeah. tremendously to get through it. Yeah. I think it's incredibly, incredibly um, amazing when you can get behind a movement like that and start a movement like that and get behind one and be able to start making a larger impact than um, that really no one else might have been able to do if they hadn't endured the suffering y'all have. Mm-hmm. As, yeah. you know, and so it's, um, it's really great to be able to hear about things like that that are happening. And I just hope that more people can know about it and pay attention to it and get involved with it. And, um, because yeah, those things like that are what we say kind of foster community resilience. When yeah. you hear about something like that, it's, um, something that really should be spotlighted and shown. So that way when people are watching the news, for example, or seeing something on social media, that's really just showing the. Uh, maybe it's real, but just the the hard facts yeah. of what we're having to face. Yeah. They're also able to see um, some light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, speaking of Kelly, Randy, why don't you introduce Kelly to our audience? Tell us a little bit about how you guys got connected and what she's doing, and then we'll bring her in here. All right. So um, it's her name is Kelly Lowe, and uh very very cool story after um right at 2016 we i was reaching out because i saw a lot of stress and a lot of hurting wives and spouses and family members so i reached out to an organization humanizing the badge i'm like look i need some support and i need to know how to do this and i was uh, in shambles because i just hurt for for them and i knew my family was hurting yeah so he's like you got to call kelly Lowe. she's from st louis um she runs their police wives association and this is what she does. And she called me at, uh, I guess it was like 10 o'clock. And I think we stayed on the phone till 12 or maybe to 2 wow. in between her train rides. And um, our friendship has, she has helped me create Behind the Line here. We worked on several projects. She's come down. They come to Baton Rouge to help support us for uh, getting a van for Ricky Faust. 
And um, she's one of my best friends. And the coolest thing is, is we learn from each other. And when people meet us, they can't believe that I'm a white female <laughs> and she is a black female. And it totally throws them off because our dynamic is uh, there's no lines. Yeah. And we learn so much from each other. And she has been my world, my, my rock. And um, she's helped us get where we're going. It's amazing. Well, Kelly, I couldn't have introduced you any better than that. So, uh, <laughs> so what? Right. That's a, that's a hard intro to follow. <laughs> so, listen, welcome to the show, Clay here, and, and Katie Fetzer as well. And you heard the introduction Rindy gave you, and, and being a police wife, obviously, you see this from the other side of the equation being uh, the spouse of someone who has been in a crazy situation, but also you're connected to other family members who see their loved ones go out every day with you know that thought in the back yeah. of their mind about what's going to happen T- talk about your reason for wanting to do what you are doing and what you hope the impact will be um honestly um i, I think police families are so important um to 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 the department as a whole uh if you look at an officer um where he is most vulnerable is when he goes home. Uh, the home life should definitely be one that's peaceful. It should be one where you can come home and, and take off all of the stress of the day. And as a police family, our role is extremely important mm-hmm. in that. So um, I make it my mission to make sure that uh, other police wives and other police families can navigate being a part of the law enforcement landscape. But also for me personally, since my husband was ambushed here in 2015, we have definitely gotten a taste of what it's like to have been in a traumatic incident, what it's like to uh, have to be a survivor, to have to overcome, um, what it's like, you know, my husband was ambushed two blocks from where we live. Wow. Uh, so we live in a neighborhood. We go past where he was ambushed at uh, quite often. It's a it's a business area, a business district. I always joke about it because I get my favorite cupcakes from there. <laughs> so Speaking of. you know, returning to the area is 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 a definite. So um, we definitely mm-hmm. um, have to return there. We definitely. Uh, have to ex- re-experience the trauma. So mm-hmm. I'm making my business to become a part of projects and to meet people um, and to begin the work that has to be done to reunite the community with officers. Because that's where this stems from. There's yeah. a disconnect going on with the community and officers. Um, and when that happens, of course, violence can creep in. It's so uh, interesting. Because everyone has... Go become ahead. so very desensitized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, jumping in right there and it on both sides when it's so intense and you know members mm-hmm. of, of the law enforcement community feel this pressure and the weight of the criticism that's out there on in every level of politics and in media and then you have people in the inner city who are already in tough realities because of some of what they have to deal with mm-hmm. almost, you know, 
not yeah. not due to any fault of their own. They're good people who live in tough situations who want the same thing we all want. And you bring these two realities together in this overly opinionated mm-hmm. culture that we're in, mm-hmm. and and it's you're flirting with disaster. Katie, as a as a mental health professional, I mean, what are some things that you would encourage people to think about with this reality, this palpable intensity that's mm-hmm. out there? I think one of the most, uh, and hi Kelly, by the way, I wish I could shake her hand and hug you at the same time. Hey, <laughs> um, Should be here um, on the 19th. Okay, good deal. Um, but Clay, I think that's a really, really great question. Um, and I think one of the biggest things to recognize right now in today's world with the way that um, media and social media and technology play such a large role in our life is that there's a whole lot of noise that's going on around us. Yeah. And um, there's kind of something, a running joke that goes on um that a lot of people will say um which is more for a younger population but the whole idea that some of these things are contagious meaning mental health like if if is it's almost like a um something that you see on tv and so then suddenly it's something that you're feeling within yourself Mm -hmm. and really what they're talking about is how much these sort of events and how the media is portraying these events and how that shapes mass opinion and how it can vicariously traumatize each of us just by being exposed to something that's we're watching but if we don't have that filter to be able to whether it's a counselor that we're talking with to be able to help us heal um because each of us are impacted differently some very directly like with what we've heard with kelly and with rindy and then some of us maybe just like y'all are saying in the families but then there's even um a broader reach that this goes to which might be um children sitting and watching tv continuously in their living room and so it affects all of us and there's this rippling effect that happens but if we don't all have this filter or the ability to be able to um, talk about what we're seeing and what we're feeling and what we're hearing and how it's affecting us, then it can be something that we're, that we don't even realize the damage that it can be doing. What are some signs? Like if you're telling people about signs to look Mm -hmm. for, say in their spouse, if, if their spouse is in law enforcement or things Mm -hmm. that people may be able to recognize in themselves, you know, like for me, if I go too long without sleeping, I'm agitated all the time and I kind of just see it and said, okay, all right, dude. Cause you know, that's my problem. Nobody else's. So what are some things that you say, look for these. And if you notice these, these may be signs that, you know, the stress, you know, mm-hmm. level is, is, is getting to that causing problems, mm-hmm. you know, area. I think that's um, a good question. If we're specifically talking about, you know, just in terms of the traumatic effect that this yeah. can have yeah. um, on all of us, but especially law enforcement, because they are the closest to um, this issue as it happens. And usually the dire- ones that are directly impacted by it. Um, something that we look for is what we call just kind of like hyper arousal or someone might be more isolative, but just highly anxious, highly yeah. stressed. Um, they may have a tendency. It, it all depends on the person. Keep in mind because, um, each person is different. And so each person then handles their feelings and emotions differently, sure. but usually we can classify it as just as a change in, themselves. They're not acting their usual selves. So maybe they typically are, have a personality that's very gregarious and talkative and suddenly they're, um, you know, drinking more, yeah. staying to themselves. Um, so usually just a change in behavior. In and what does that way. mean? What does that mean? I mean, th- those symptoms mean what? It typically will just mean, I mean, it hard, it's hard to say definitively sure, because sure. each individual is going to be so sure, different. Sure. Um, and whenever we're working with individuals, we're looking at 
cultural factors. We're looking yeah. at social factors. We're looking at um, age. We're, so all of those things play a huge role in why it's so hard for me to answer that question yeah. poignantly. Yeah. You know, it's going to vary individually, but it typically can mean that maybe they just need to talk about what's happening and it can be as straightforward as that, or it can mean that something else is going on, meaning they're, um, that the traumatic event has started to distort their ways of life or change okay. their yeah. worldview in a way. Kind of going off, of, and, and Kelly, mm-hmm. you can definitely jump in on this one. Uh, we, we, this is something that Kelly and I have even come across, and not, you know, in my world, not in my world, but just never really thought about it because mm-hmm. it's just not me. Sure. But um, after going through some of the stuff that's gone through the last year and since 16, we have spouses that have come through our group, and we, we have open conversations, um, kind of like um, – you know, just, I guess mm-hmm. you call it open counseling. Yeah. We just sit there and just talk about it. Sure. And it was, it was an eye opener. And Kelly and I talked about it as I called her that night and I said, you know, I said, never thought about it, but you know, our, our black officers, their stress is totally different Absolutely. than yes. our white officers yep. because oh, yeah. they are getting the stress from not just the job and, the, and it's and, what Montrell Jackson wrote about. Yes. Yeah. Now they're yeah. having to go yeah. home yeah. and their yeah. families and friends are saying you have to choose. Right. And I can't, I, I can't even put myself in this st- yeah. in that situation, but yeah. I can't, you know, and that's one thing we want to bring awareness to is that, sure. you know, it, it is a job. We yeah. do get it. But there's also a heart and a human and mm-hmm. an emotions sure. and families, mm-hmm. and we hurt just the same way the community does. And if everybody thinks well, that they're right, how do we come together sure. to start healing and help each yeah. other heal? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of all of this. Yeah. Right. Well, the stress, the stress behind being black and blue, mm-hmm. um, I, I call it black and blue literally. Like yeah. you're almost even more bruised. Um, because you 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 do go through um, wanting to 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 understand what what our community as a whole is going through. We get that, you know. I mm-hmm. get that as a black woman. I hundred percent understand what protest is about, mm-hmm. what protest brings about. Um, but I also understand what the pressure is on my husband when he's standing in a riot line. Mm-hmm. Because I can tell you from being here um, and seeing the riot lines in St. Louis, our black officers definitely uh, go through more on that riot line. They go through more intense emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go through um, more abuse <laughs> on the riot line because they're branded traitors. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, and whether you you I, I have always said to, to Rendy, Rendy and I have had these conversations, whether you agree, you know, disagree, agree, whatever. We can all have empathy for each other. Yeah, right. absolutely. we can all I can most I can most definitely look at a family of a suspect who has lost his life mm-hmm. and empathize with that mother. I'm sure. a mother. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I 100 percent get the loss of a child but i expect for people to be able to look at me as well Mm -hmm. as the wife of an officer who has been shot Mm -hmm. and say now he has a child too yeah you know that child almost lost their father Mm -hmm. well clay like you Uh, said that that day i mean there's no win right there's no win to any of these situations mm-hmm. in dallas baton rouge mm-hmm. ferguson yeah. there's no win um you learn from it 
Um, mm-hmm. And you got to start rebuilding until Absolutely. our mindsets change. That sure. hey, we all went through yeah. a traumatic loss. We well, all lost somebody that day. Sure. And, and officers think, aren't. And we all right. We're ahead. losing humanity. We're sure. there, there are no winners right. um, in this situation. Mm-hmm. In in the theater project that I'm working on, um, which is Antigone and Ferguson, uh, that's one of the things that our director highlights. Uh, in the theater project is that what do you do when everybody in the situation is right? Hmm. What do you do sure. when yeah, when everybody point. morally is correct in the situation? Those that are out on the protest line, perception is 100 mm-hmm. percent. You know, they 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 perceive that there's wrongs going on in law enforcement and they are not wrong. There are some things that need to change about law enforcement. But mm-hmm. the officers that are standing the line, most of them, 99% of them got into law enforcement to protect and serve their citizens. Right. Mm-hmm. And they believe in the law and they believe in doing their job the right way. Yeah. So nobody's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just have to find the right way to connect with each other. And, well, I, and that's why I love doing these kinds of projects. Yeah, I, I was, you know. y'all have made such good points that have really stuck out and resonated with me. And one that Randy was talking about earlier was just how families are so important and how impact, starting with the families and being able to work with them actually makes so much sense to me as a mental health professional mm-hmm. because in the way that we are trained, which by the way, I'd love to mention, I agree with you too on the gap being, there's a gap between all of us, uh, a disconnect of some sorts. Um, but there's a lot of people in my profession that maybe have gone through something similar to what maybe they were in law enforcement or they've been through something traumatic or they have a family member that was, and that's why they then choose to be in the mental health profession. And so that's something that kind of drives them yet. There's still this gap as a whole in terms of our profession. And so there's a lot of people that are researching this issue right now, you know, trying to figure out what are the best ways that, um, we can help people here. Where do we start? Where does it begin? And it's such a complex and multi-layered issue that's going to involve everyone, Uh everyone coming to the table, you know, just kind of like we are right now preliminarily. I mean, we're just kind of brainstorming and, um, shooting from the hip and really explaining just kind of, you know, spitballing our thoughts and ideas, which I think this is how it starts. Um, it's all of us coming to to the table with diverse perspectives. Um, and Kelly, you made such a good point about, the perspective piece of this um because with what we know even just when it comes to the whole idea of racism for example and it's based in ignorance right well what we know in Mm -hmm. the, the like psychological scientific explanation for that is that over time so people in our field study the way people think act and feel and how those thoughts are developed over time is called cognitive psychology is where it's based out of and our thoughts are shaped over time by the way we in which we experience environmental things around us and so if we grow up in a culture that is very ignorant and we don't ever or never have experiences that kind of cause us to think differently we can be so ingrained in that belief which like you were saying, Randy, it requires a change in mindset yes. that's the biggest piece uh-huh. in all this is we have to be able to figure out how do we change the mindset and improve it in ways. Um, and I, it, at that point we're shifting to the masses of 
you know, I'm sorry, but media is a huge piece Absolutely. of this because yes. the way that media delivers information, and, and I'm saying this not in a way to blame, or it, but it's a crucial element of this mm-hmm. because media shapes mass opinion. There's studies out of Harvard psychology that have shown this for years and how media plays such a large role in shaping our opinions. And that's going to be a huge piece mm-hmm. in this. If we're wanting to shift mindset, we need to hear stories like this more. Yeah. We need to be able to have you know y'all sharing this in the ways that you are to be able to bridge that gap instead of us only hearing the tragedies that are happening you know it's something that sheds the light yeah there you go well and it's by the way that was amazing (laughs) um i i agree with everything you said you know katie's awesome so but i think one of the one of the problems that i often see Mm -hmm. is the need to choose a side Yes. Mm. And I refuse. Mm-hmm. I refuse. Amen. I, I, Amen. I support Amen. law yeah. enforcement. I, ins- I support the good men and women of law enforcement who every day leave their homes mm-hmm. to protect our community, communities. But I also believe in going into the inner city and reaching out and touching and helping the least of those among us. I'm going to do both and I'm never going to let anybody feel like I'm a traitor to one side or the other. Here's the thing. Uh, I better not say that I'm in the company of ladies. I was (laughs) no, no, it was going to be very raw. No, you you say it. Say it. Okay. Okay. So my my feeling about that is go straight to hell. Don't pause. And because my attitude about that is that's what's causing the problem. It is because we feel like we have to be. Uh, it has to be us versus them. Mm-hmm. And that is a yes. very specious, fake way of looking at sure. it. It is all us. It is mm-hmm. not, it, there is no such reality. And so now making that point, I'd like to kind of illustrate that point with something that happened last week. So we've been doing these canvases in Baton Rouge, Kelly. And, it, you know, I had uh-huh. the idea about, I don't know, seven, eight months ago of putting together a group of people. And so I called the DA. Uh, I called at the time the interim police chief. And I spoke with uh, a minister who, who has a church, who's a great man, who's got a church in the inner city there. And I spoke to some business people and I said, here's a deal. I want to go to the hood. And I wanted to be cops and I wanted to be ministers and I want females and males and black people and white people. I want a a Crayola box Mm -hmm. to show up and we're just going to knock on doors and hug a few necks and tell people hello. And that's all. That's it. That's the goal to love on your neighbor. And what I was saying is love is the answer. It doesn't matter what the question is. So I love what you just said. Sorry. So we went out and we did it. And the response was amazing. And perspective was the target so here's what happened perspective wise people who live in the inner city see this diverse group of people that don't want anything including cops in uniform who were just loving on them throwing Mm -hmm. the football in the street and then people in our group who went to these communities and they saw man these are just regular good people Mm -hmm. so the last time which was last week we were in an area of baton rouge called glen oaks a young man is walking mm-hmm. and he's got his two-year-old daughter who was about the cutest kid you could just ever see who was giving me the business the whole time. So we're laughing and joking and I'm playing. And he said, uh, what is this? What are y'all doing? And I told him, I said, you know, just getting people a chance to meet one another and, and really, you know, 
interacting in a mm-hmm. better way. And he said, because he looked like he was probably in his early to mid 20s. He said, you know, I'm glad y'all are doing this because with what's going on right now, he said, we need this. Oh, yeah. That's Absolutely. what the kid said. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And on the law enforcement side, I can guarantee mm-hmm. you that all of law enforcement would rather spend their day yeah. when they get go 10-8 on a call, mm-hmm. throwing a football, talking, yes. you know, talking to the community. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's hard to do that when our numbers and stuff are so low in law enforcement and yeah. Yeah. the betrayal of law yeah. enforcement. Uh, I mean, that that's if you ask most people, yeah. I mean, that's what I do for our department, and they tell you, I want to come here and help. Yeah. And they would rather go yeah. to work and, and mm-hmm. feel that. And just yeah. like, you know, when Behind the Line went to Houston right after the floods, and we took four or five officers with us. Yeah. That's the first time we had seen our yeah. officers smile yeah. and play and wow. enjoy themselves. Yes. Love. And love mm-hmm. on other yes. people in the communities. Yeah. And we were like... Wow. And it was so healing for yeah. their spouses and family mm-hmm. members that were with us because they were doing something good. Yeah. Well, and ladies, but, but can I throw, I, I want to throw this out there, though. It is, I think, mm-hmm. the majority of people on both sides agree. Yes. When we were in those communities in Baton Rouge, the oh, first of all, there was no negativity and the overwhelming majority of people out there was so thankful and they communicated and the dialogue back and forth was antithetical to what you see on television. It wasn't any, any, in any way what you see when you would turn the television on. And I think we have bought into the minority narrative. And what I mean is the minority of thought, the smallest percentage of people otherwise known as the haters. They get the spotlight Mm -hmm. because media likes a dumpster fire. So when you're watching the dumpster fire, if you keep seeing it over a period of time, you believe that that is the overwhelming majority, which is how bias is created. Contagious. Contagious. You. That's how bias is created. Absolutely. And then and so if let me let me if and and let me finish. If we (laughs) never talk to one another, then we'll never know that that's not the truth. Go ahead, Kelly. I know where she's going. 100%. Uh, let me let me let me let me say this. This there is no better judge of how the public feels about an officer when until some something happens to one. <laughs> uh, we've had several instances here where we've had officers lose their life, where we've had situations that happen um like what happened to my husband. Yeah. Our community rose up and they treated us well. Um, I, we, we had no clue how this would all work out because I have to tell you, you know, the day that he was ambushed, we also had protesters show up outside of his car, protesting his shot up car, protesting. That being said, we also had community members. I I will never forget one of the most touching things that happened to me. Uh, when I arrived at the hospital that morning at four o'clock in the morning, a nurse, came to me in tears, uh, so much so that I was frightened because they had told me my husband was okay, you know, everything was okay, right. and here I arrive at the hospital, and she's in complete devastation. Well, she was devastated for me. Oh. She was mm. devastated for the community. What she said to me was, I live in the block that he was shot in, and I am just devastated First of all, that someone has such a disregard for life. Mm-hmm. But second of all, that 
here this officer was and here his family comes in. I had my son who was, you know, not quite two two years old in my arms. And she said, I saw you and your son come in and I'm just I'm just devastated that this would happen to an officer and his family. Mm. She said, I'm just devastated. Mm. But then you Um, see Kelly like with Ricky. I think. You see with Mm -hmm. Ricky and the community stood up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ricky Faust, the uh, Baton Rouge police officer here who was injured in in an accident and and, and lost the the usage of of his legs. And uh, the community came together to to get a van for him. Listen, ladies, I want to do two parts of this uh, Mm -hmm. this discussion. And so because I don't want to get everything in right now. All right. But so uh, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Kelly. Uh, uh, Katie. Oh, no. Were you about to conclude? I just wanted to. No, no, no. Because I want to come back. First of all, I want to be able to give you a chance to talk about behind the line and then give Kelly a chance to talk about Antigone, you know, before we, we leave so people can. You know, okay. go to their so Google machines to find out mm-hmm. what's what, and then yeah. I want <laughs> to talk about the next the, the next uh, launching point. So first up, Rendy, behind the line, what is it? What does it do? How can people get involved? Behind the line is an organization that we created for family and spouses of law enforcement. Right at the beginning, we did it just for the Baton Rouge area to get it off to, uh, Baton Rouge Police Department to get it off the ground. Yeah. And um, as of uh, Sunday, we're excited to announce that we will be adding um, sections for. For EMS and for our fire uh, fighters, so awesome. we're all a community. So what we do, we are not a huge fundraising um, organization. We do right. have to bring in funds to do right. what we do, but we provide support um, if an officer is injured. Uh, we provide meal trains. We bring in training for um, our spouses to teach them mm-hmm. how to do this. Mm-hmm. We did, you know, we do gift cards. We do behind the scene things for the family to support them. When Ricky needed a van, we knew that that was something his family. Mm-hmm. And that was yeah. our first. That was really like our really first event, um, and that's what we do. And we, it has been so appreciated. Uh, through the families of law enforcement because they have somewhere to go that they understand. Right. right. And it's, it's great. We ha- actually have an event. Um, our funds are kind of low. We've had some officers kind of been injured lately. Sure. So we've been sure. running mm-hmm. uh, some stuff uh, for them. But we uh, have an event coming up May 19th at Cabela's. It's actually being um, put on uh, Louisiana Go, G-E-A-U-X, I'm supposed to say that, <laughs> Go Topless Day. And it is a Jeep um, event and what they do is they raise money the Louisiana Hope Foundation to send um, adult, disabled adults mm-hmm. and children on hunting trips. And they have allowed us. That's we're awesome. actually providing food and selling uh, jambalaya plates and stuff out there. And CIA is going to be out there, Cast Iron Assistance. I love that name, by yes. the way. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yes. So they're going to be out there. Kelly Lowe will be out there. Our yeah, I just family. learned, Kelly, that you're coming to Baton Rouge. I, like minutes ago, I found yeah. out about that. Yeah, so this would be be at uh, Cabela's um, from uh, May 19th, and it starts at 10 o'clock. So we just ask you to come out and hang out with us. You don't have to have a Jeep. We're going to have a (laughs) raffle and all kind of door prizes and stuff. And we're we're just excited that they're allowing us to come in just to get some money to to keep helping these officers. Amen. And and quickly here, Kelly, talk about Antigone and, and what it is and how people can learn more about it. So I am a part of an innovative singing group here in St. Louis called the Phil Woodmore Singers. Um, Phil Woodmore is a 
awesome music composer um, and director. He had a group, several choirs that he combined into a group. Now, this is an interesting group because we have activists, we have police officers, we have community members that have all come together to put on a unique theater project. We got the opportunity uh, to combine with a theater group out of New York City. Their director, Brian Dory, contacted Phil and asked him to write music for um, a Greek tragedy called Antigone. And then we were going to do basically a, a social justice type movement that would um, be called Antigone and Ferguson, obviously, um, so that we could, as a, as a group, come together and present something to the community to have those hard conversations between the community, law enforcement, media, all the things that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You, so you basically come in, you watch the Greek tragedy, Antigone, which is uh, kind of updated. Brian has kind of updated it a little bit because um, it, it didn't need much updating because the moral issues right. from, from years and years right. ago were still having the same moral issues here um, today. Anyway, you get to watch a group of A-list actors read the play Antigone. You get to hear our music behind it. And then after that, Brian Dorries leads an amazing um, town hall community type talk. And the one thing that has been my honor to be a part of this group is to watch how the community and law enforcement, after watching this piece of art, because see, we're talking about the media and how, you know, they portray things, watch this piece of art and be able to gain the perspective to be able to talk without getting angry with each other, Hmm. without, um, and and to be able to understand each other. Because somehow art, you know, we've seen that happen with Hamilton. Somehow art brings down our walls. Yeah. It, it, it makes it okay. Yeah. Um, and Brian is able to facilitate these wonderful talks. Um, the other part for me, which has been great, our group is made up of many diverse people, as I said, activists and community members. Um, and we have been able to come together as, right. as a family and behind the scenes and have some talks. There are some things that, you know, maybe people who have been, activists on the line didn't understand about mm-hmm, officers. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, they don't they don't always know what our lifestyle is. Right. You know, people think we lead a different kind of lifestyle and they're beginning to realize we're all human. Mm-hmm. You know, um I think for a lot of activists out there, they don't even know that officers don't like bad officers either. Right. I, <laughs> I, I, I cannot tell people how many times <laughs> I, I mean I've known the last five <laughs> police chiefs and you know i don't know the the current one as well yet he's brand new but i can tell you it is absolutely a fact that if you talk to it an is, officer they don't want to work with a bad police officer they don't work with no. my husband absolutely hates and abhors <laughs> bad policing right he he got into policing to to serve his community right and so the great mm. thing that i think about antigone which is touring all across the country right now. Um, and Brandy and I are on a wing and a prayer <laughs> and hoping, um, especially as 
because we feel like we have a unique situation. Yeah. Uh, when we come into a room and I'm a black police wife and she's a white police wife and they see our unity, <laughs> Mm-hmm. We we feel like we have to carry that forward. Mm-hmm. We feel like, you know, we have to carry that message. And one of the ways that we would love to do it is to be able to bring mm-hmm. Antigone to Baton Rouge, especially since there has been tragedy right. and unrest there. Well, you know, th- um, our situations are unique, Very. especially since I'm from St. Louis, right? And she's from Baton Rouge, yeah. Um, and we actually have the only thing uh, y'all have on us is the, the, listen. With, the only thing y'all have on Dallas, us is barbecue. Too. Y'all only have barbecue on us in St. Louis. We, I think we're, <laughs> <laughs> and pizza and pizza. We, we're good at we're good at the flat crust pizza. So, but we, uh, Randy, so we Randy, and I have. That's right have united and we have become the best of friends yeah. and we sit we we kind of marvel sometimes at the hard conversations that we mm-hmm. have so easily yeah, yeah. and you know we, we have would, those conversations so easily sure. i think what y'all have so done or demonstrated uh, she's still going. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, go, 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 go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to applaud y'all and just say, I just want to really say like, what is going on with y'all is like a true act of love yep. and compassion. Yep. And I think with each of us, you know, sometimes people, um, whether you're like you were saying, Kelly on the protest line, or you are in law enforcement, each of us have our own individual healing to do. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times we're zoomed into our own paintings of life until we step back out and realize we're all looking at the same big picture. And I think each of us have to make that choice. Are you going to be on the side of compassion and love? Mm -hmm. Or are you going to be on the side of bitter and angry? That's it. Each person Mm -hmm. needs to step back and make that decision. And, you know, as a therapist who's been working in a hospital setting with victims of trauma with people that come because they're at the ready to end their life. And for eight years, I've had an informed perspective on suffering across every SES, across every race, culture, background. And when it comes down to it, each of us have to make that choice. If we are ready to work on ourselves and it's bitter or better, you have to make that decision for yourself. And y'all have made that decision and y'all are showing a a, a compassion and love for people and setting that example for people to hopefully grab into yeah. within themselves. I just really hope it, you know, the movement keeps going. And well, Clay, I've heard you say this uh, multiple times and it's okay to, to not agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, it's, it's so overrated and I, I sometimes shake my head at w- wondering at what point does a disagreement mean that it's dislike? It's like, we just see something differently, which mm-hmm. is okay with me. It's like, it's, I, I'm, I want, I think for me, so I, I so I don't believe that I need to make you think how I want you to think because that that goes against you know kind mm-hmm. of that whole individuality thing. But you know disagreement sometimes is how you get the best solution out of something. Sure, you yeah. know compromise. But yes. it, it's okay to disagree and we don't have to hate each other. And again, that whole us versus them tribalism mm-hmm. that goes on sure. that keeps yeah. people away from from talking to one another. Listen, ladies, like I said, we're gonna do. Yeah. A part two on this. Uh, the event is happening on the 19th, Saturday, May 19th. It's going to be at Cabela's. Right. It benefits behind the line. You can also, where can people find out uh, something about Antigone, Kelly? Uh, they can go on the Theater of War website or the Phil Woodmore Singers website. 
we have a lot of video up on YouTube because we have been to Baltimore here in St. Louis, performed in New York. Uh, we are prayerfully hoping it will go into a theater house in New York. Um, so keep us in prayer for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, if they want to inquire about Antigone, and Randy and I's biggest wish, so I, I'm going to put this out there. I'm going to challenge Baton Rouge because I know I have Clay, and I know Clay has the ear. Um, Antigone, is, it, it has to be funded. It has to be funded and brought somewhere. And if there is someone that would love to fund that project, I think it would be worthwhile. I think it would be um really healing for your community in particular in Baton Rouge with everything that has gone on. Um, and Rindy and I definitely would love to see it it happen there and, and begin to have those hard talks. Yeah. Uh, she, as a policewoman there in Baton Rouge, is ready to have those hard talks behind the line as a group of family yeah. um, for police officers. They're ready for that healing because that's how you know, as a community, they'll be able to keep their family members safe, too. Yeah. We yeah. know that when the community and officers are working together, it helps keep officers safe as well. That's Amen. right. That's right. So we definitely want to see that. Yeah. yeah. It's nice to meet you, Kelly, and I hope to be able to meet you in person. Yes. <laughs> yep. Oh, Katie, I'm on that. I'm, I'm coming to Baton Rouge, so I'm on that. Yeah, we'll be here tonight right. for our event, and then we'll yeah. be with Clay on the, the next 20th. Day, on the 20th. Taya Kyle will be here. Smoke them oh. if you got them. In yeah. fact, I'll All come right. back Yay! and talk about that in just a moment. Thank you, ladies. Thank, Thank you. you. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Rodrigue, and I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107 mobile app. The fifth annual Smoke'em If You Got'em fundraiser takes place on Sunday, May 20th at Ben 77 Bistro in Perkins Row. Smoke'em If You Got'em is a yearly fundraiser benefiting military veterans and first responders. This year's event is presented by Mockler Beverage and benefits the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation. Come and meet Taya Kyle and enjoy live music, a live and silent auction, a grill station, a beer station, a dessert station, and a complimentary cigar. Tickets are $100. Doors open at 5 p.m. Learn more at ChrisKyleFrogFoundation.org. Part two of that discussion is going to be great. I'm looking forward to having the ladies back to talk more about what they are doing. All right, so you heard all of the details of Smoke'em, or at least 95% of them. I'm still holding a couple things back uh, that we will tell you on next week's show. The show before Smoke'em takes place, our guest next week will be Richard Condon. The Wild Man from Eagle 98.1 in Baton Rouge, the host of Condon Uncensored. Looking forward to having him here in studio and cutting up. It's been a little while since I've seen Rich, and so we'll get him in here and we'll talk about Smoke'em again. I'll try to get Tim Mockler on to talk a little bit about what you know they've been doing in the community and really thank him for being the presenting sponsor for this year's Smoke'em. 
Again, you can buy your ticket online at chriskylefrogfoundation.org under the events tab or just buy your ticket at the door. I truly hope to see a lot of you there at the event. Now, I would be remiss if I were to get out of here without saying Happy Mother's Day to all of the moms out there who are listening. And I hope you pass along to your mother, grandmother, and every lady in your life the admiration, the you know, the, the gratitude, everything you have for, for what they do for so many of us and what they've meant to so many of us. You know, there, as many people who know, I don't talk a whole lot about my personal life on, you know, on media. It's just not my thing. But a lot of people close to me know that the greatest person I have ever known uh, was my grandmother who passed away some years ago. She was just the embodiment of so many virtues that I hold very, very, very dear. And I can't get through this time of the year without thinking about the many wonderful memories I have of her. She was just an amazing person, but I'm not alone there. A lot of you have similar stories with your mom or your grandmother or both of them, right? And uh, happy Mother's Day to all of you. And really, really, I hope that you get to enjoy your weekend. All right. With that, we're getting out of here. 162 is on deck with Richard Condon next week here on The Clay Young Show. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.